Welcome to the Healing Circle Podcast. I am Lauren Zakia. I am E. Nicole. And I'm Jessarae. And we are faculty and fellows at Empower Institute, a center for community healing and optimal living. Our series marks the 400th anniversary of the first Africans who arrived as captives. So today we will center our discussion around the theme of 400 years to reunite. So... Over our time, many bonds have been formed, which which have held us together in the most turbulent of times. So from our shipmates to our plantation mates back in the day, um, and also our village or community mates, these were the ones who shared in our suffering. Um, and even though we have become more technologically advanced, many are suffering in silence still. Uh, through loneliness, isolation, and just honestly through a loss of connection or even how to connect. So what we'd like to start off with today, uh, Lauren and Jezreel, um, how have we become disconnected from our communities? How has this all happened? Um, well, I think about um, <clears throat> the cost of integration. Mm. Girl, mm. you didn't start off with that though. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> <laughs> so I I grew up in Baldwin. Uh, my parents, who both lived in the city um, as children, um, decided to purchase a home uh, in Baldwin, Missouri. Um, and so that's where I spent my entire childhood. And I remember, although I did dance, so I danced with the Black Academy and I still went to my... Um, black home church which were both in the city it was like I felt amongst family only on the weekends Mm -hmm. so during the week we were out uh, in Baldwin kind of isolated from everybody and this in my parents attempt to uh, provide more have more opportunities for their children they end up moving in uh, a white neighborhood which was not welcoming (laughs) Uh, so many stories of when I was younger, uh, and adults and children, both in my neighborhood on the bus who, um, tormented us. Well, tormented me. I'm sure my brother and sister also have experience, but I'm thinking about me specifically. And so I always, as a child felt like I was, um, I felt alone from my people. Even though I didn't have the words to articulate that, I just, I felt like I wasn't black enough because I did not have the black experience as mm-hmm. though I thought I should, which is one of the reasons why I went to HBCU. Um, but I felt disconnected is really what I felt because even though there may have been more academic opportunity, um, these were not my people. And they made it very known that mm-hmm. they were not my people. Yeah. So integration, to my point, like mm-hmm. the the cost of integration, mm-hmm. um, black black people um, laid down some um, laid down their their places of where they grew up and 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 maybe some of the businesses that they created um, because they thought they would have more opportunities if they were to partner, not partner, but assimilate into white culture. Oh, that, that is, um, that is, that is 
deep to to kick us off. Uh, I was literally speaking to someone yesterday about uh, how the DSEC program mm. failed in St. Yeah. Louis. Yeah. Uh, but that is a rabbit hole, a personal rabbit hole for me, so I will not get into that. But I, I can definitely understand that my parents were completely against the DSEC program. Mm-hmm. My father is from St. Louis, grew up in the blue. Um, that's the Blue Maya Projects mm-hmm. for those not familiar. Um, my mother is from Fifth Ward in Houston, so we are very much inner city people. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with that, there has been like some strife, even from being from inner city, because you don't always connect with your neighbors like you think you should, even though you're all growing up in the same type of area. Yeah. But listening to just uh, E's intro, it brought to mind the term fictive kinship. Mm-hmm. So these people who you're not related to, but you're sharing these 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 times with, these are now your new family. Um, and that sounds like something that you were missing when you were going to school out in, ba- in Baldwin. You didn't have that fictive kinship. You had to cobble that for yourself as you got older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that we become disconnected from our communities in light of all of this advancement and education mm-hmm. that we've had. We've kind of put ourselves in these little cyclones. Um, we've all worked in the public or been in the public, and you've gotten to a point you can't even look at somebody sometimes without it being an issue. Like, I might want to compliment you, but now you're ready to fight because I just look, I, I glanced at you for 10 seconds too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't let you have a child and that whole concept of uh, it taking a village mm-hmm. has taken a complete backseat if not thrown out of the car altogether mm-hmm. um, I worked in a place where children were there all the time and I know some people did not like it but if your child is running around and aggravating me I know it's aggravating you I don't, I don't have the mommy patience so if Tyrell is really cutting up. Tyrell got to sit down. <laughs> and I don't mind, like, hey, you're going to have to sit on the floor until your mama is done handling business. Sometimes that was not received with the intent that I put it out there as. Like, I'm not trying to be you. I, I did not birth this child, but this is my child. Because if something happens to him, that is my business. Because we're all each other's business. But I think that has been lost. Um, with us growing and changing and moving and integrating and assimilating into these different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, woo, okay, we are going here today. Um, so, I wrote down a lot while y'all were talking about as far as schooling, because schooling is definitely, I mean, shoot, if you are able to infect and inject bullshit through minds, then, you know, you know, we could take <laughs> religion has done it, education has done it. It's two very powerful systems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, definitely, uh, I can I can relate to feelings that both of y'all have uh, spoken on, um, and everything from man, like you know, when I started off school, I actually attended. Like preschool was a different story. It was a probably a blend, but I just don't remember that much of it. But definitely, I started off grade school in Kenlock. So surrounded by all black folks. Um, and then 
as that school in that area lost funding, um, having to attend, uh, I, I attended private school, um, all throughout, uh, my education. And so, and then having to go and be in like all white spaces. Um, and then to a point of feeling, even though my family was really strong in, you know, blackness, I definitely felt almost an imposter in both worlds at a certain point. Um, of being an outcast definitely in the all white spaces unless they of course cheer me on for sports. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. Uh or then feeling like, because I didn't get the community learning at a certain, up to a certain age, you know, when I started going to those other schools, feeling like, dang, I don't know how to braid hair. I feel like, was that, is that a rites of passage? I don't know how to do that myself. You know, I'm only good at turning on double I dutch. Know, I felt not, like that not, too. not good at actually jumping in it. And, I you know, learned. and so, like, I don't like pickles with peppermint. Oh, um, no, you I know. do like that. Right, right, right. I learned, right, I learned right, that right. from my city cousin, but I did not learn how to double judge. And so, like, some definitely key thing. Not that that's like the whole like definition of it all, um, but there's definitely some key things. But what I'd rather kind of pull out here, as far as how have we come, and so like method, man, I think about language, um, as a way that we've become disconnected from our communities. And so, sure, absolutely, the we were forbidden. You know, when or 400 years ago, we forbidden for speaking our language, mm-hmm. um, from our names, and 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 then holding the meaning to it now, like the names, like what the hell does a lot of this stuff the names even mean, um, and like the names that we were forced to have, um, but also the language, and then now even since um, having to speak English, then the language that like black folks and whether it's ebonics or like some other things. It's seen as like that's not talking proper, mm-hmm. and so even within our own communities, even further separating uh, within uh, Black communities of who talks this English, who talks that English, and having a hierarchy even within um, as a way that that definitely um, you know has as we navigate um, safety, as we navigate access to resources, language along with education has been a huge um, tool uh, for disconnection. Um, but likewise, I feel like in some ways it becomes a tool for reconnection when you got that. If you and the other person, uh, the black woman, the only black people in the whole department, some specific language that can be used that all y'all got to do from body language to verbal language <laughs> that it gets you right back reconnected with the hood, or the sisterhood, you know? Um, so yeah, just, I'm was wondering here if y'all also had the experiences and memories of how language too has uh, uh, disconnected uh, our communities. Oh, totally. So my mother did not really want us to use slang in the household. So despite us growing up very much inner city kids, we would sound so much different than even our cousins. And, you know, not even speaking about our neighbors. So sometimes it felt like we were operating or living inside our own little bubble. And so mm-hmm. we would come out. We didn't play outside a lot with the neighborhood kids. Um, so it was kind of like rotating in, in completely different worlds. Like this is your familial world. Like you hang with your siblings and then we'll take you over to your cousin's house. And you go to school. Um, and you do whatever you do at school. But then you come back home. Like you don't really talk to these <laughs> kids. Um and at times I was like, well, I want to see what my my neighbor uh, kids are doing. 
And it's like my parents had already scoped the scene. They was like, they ain't doing shit. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> back in this house. <laughs> you got this homework to do. Um, and I think language kind of breaks that up because we so often hear like you talk like a white girl mm-hmm. or like a white boy. Um, and it's really like, no, I just know the English language. This is what was taught to me. This was how I was taught to pronounce these words. Um, but even with that, as I've gotten older and had to do my own re-education, mm-hmm. I had to pull back because I was quick to correct somebody. Honey, like I'm your, I'm your English teacher. <laughs> On Facebook, I got my red pen out. Uh-huh. But... <laughs> <laughs> I had to pull back because I was like, that's me oppressing my own yep. people. Yeah. And, okay, so you, you don't know homophones. You don't know homonyms. Okay, I'm, I'm going to let you live because maybe you weren't thinking about that in the third grade. You don't know there, there, and there. Okay, I'm going to just swallow that pill and keep scrolling. But I think that, that, I think that is a, one of those disconnects with language. Mm-hmm. Like having to extend grace, like you know, we're in St. Louis, so people like to rely on that that heavy er and that those long consonants and skipping out words and sentences. You just got to go. You just have to. Okay, I I I I got it from context clues. Thank you. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's real of the the balance between like you know find I I I too have found myself uh, fighting for the king's language, right? Um, and then to a point of then realizing that wasn't my damn king. Um, and so it's like, damn, like, so-and-so and these people over here getting made fun of. Um, maybe back in the day, they people fought harder um, to say, fuck you in your language. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of times within my family, um, definitely uh, grandmother who was born in the 1920s ended up with two master degrees and all this other stuff. Definitely all she was in was all white spaces. Um, and so I just think about of making sure to not even feel like, you know, um, that I'm too good just because maybe for me, I feel like my family in some ways got further conditioned. And that's a detriment. Mm-hmm. Even though it may have helped in the immediate to go along with mainstream to go along with uh, European law and Eurocentric values um, I just think about the disconnection in terms of language in that way yeah that kind of goes with the next question which is mm-hmm. what has been the cost of progress mm. bingo I would say that it costs connection um, speaking directly to this like we're now in a space where people have to find their own kin because sometimes even those blood related to you do not see things the way that you see them but you find your tribe other places um, and I think that can cost people emotionally and uh, mentally that sometimes you have to push push away from those you thought you would be connected to in various ways forever uh, but I I think that is a necessary cost of progress. I do feel like liberation is for everyone, but not everyone will be liberated. And so I can't force you to to do as I do or to think as I think. But whenever you're ready, you know, I got your spirit, you know. So I think I think that's one of the, the costs of, of progress is sometimes we have to break our own innate bonds. Mm-hmm. 
and recreate new memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with progress, there's a sense of identity and maybe culture that is lost. If, if we have bought into the systems that, uh, of white supremacy, patriarchy, uh, imperialism, like, all of those things that say this is what success looks like mm -hmm. and in order to be successful you must align yourself in these ideals and these practices um, and so then people start to identify themselves based on what they acquire and what how success shows up in their life um, that they may have um, it, it's it's a inflated self, but also an inauthentic self um, when you are living your life based on what someone else has defined for you rather than you define for yourself what it is to be um, a human being living uh, in, this, in this era. So um, if you aren't intentional about um, being true to who you are, then all of these systems and conditions can um, can influence you to be uh, unrecognizable to maybe those around you and those mm -hmm. who are depending on you. Yeah, I really actually don't have much to add to that. I actually fully <laughs> <laughs> feel like, uh, yeah, that y'all captured it. I guess, like, something that I was just thinking about upon um, hearing the question um, is that part of the cost is that we also have different definitions of what progress is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I can just, if I'm thinking like if we had a room instead of three people, but a room of 30, how differently, you know, looking at the cost of progress, how differently that can be answered. Mm -hmm. Um, because we might end up talking about a few different things. Um, so that was really my biggest takeaway of mm -hmm. looking, thinking about, okay, well, um, how are you defining progress? Mm -hmm. How are you defining cost? <laughs> but how are you defining progress? Um, and because when I think about as far as community progress, well, that also is dependent upon the people within that community having the same idea of what progress is. So that's just... I would agree. And I think to go into our last question is how do we recognize our kin folks and our need for a reunion? Hmm. I would say one of the ways to recognize them has been with the addition of technology. Like black Twitter is a strong and mighty force. <laughs> um, and it is so interesting that we all have these shared experiences but we do not know one another i feel like that is the best example of victor kinship of mm -hmm. that, that one can draw from um like just the memes that are created and then they get so many likes and oh i had that same experience like we all know about taking that meat out for <laughs> dinner and not doing it in enough time and so now you're trying to hurry up because mama is coming up the street. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
And for those who are not, you know, active on social media, I think when you are in the workplace, like we mentioned, and you see that, you know, uh, the chocolate chip and the cookie, or mm-hmm. I, I, I like to say flying the buttermilk, but when you see them, it's that innate pulling, like you feel like you can trust them. Sometimes they cannot be trusted, but you see them like, oh, that's kinfolk. Uh, I can go in there and we can, you know, chop it up and then get back to work. Um, and then for a need of a reunion, I think when you are feeling isolated in your blackness, when you feel like you do not have a community, um, you have no one to lean on, I think that is when you know that it's time that you, you got to find somebody. If it's not a face-to-face, you need a phone call. You need to send up a flare, a carrier pigeon, something. Just get here. You know? Yeah. Not you clapping pigeons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm also thinking about, like, the different identities, right? Um, even within, like, somebody, you know, I'll take myself, for example, who's black, who is also, um, you know, of a certain social economic, you know, um, status or whatever, but also who's also queer, um, and, uh, also not currently affiliated with any type of, um, you know, uh, I guess we will say traditional, um, religion, religious affiliation. Um, and so recognizing the kin folks, you know, definitely for me goes beyond, uh, seeing black skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's with, with that. And then <laughs> it's also in the work the work that, that one does for themselves and also for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like as Jezreel just mentioned, like you can definitely, um, just spotting the fly in the buttermilk, who's also the chocolate chip on the cookie, mm-hmm. um, may not always um, result in you getting the community and sense of reunion that perhaps you were looking for. Um, because I uh, definitely can think of some instances of a black face, white mind. Mm. Um, and so for me, it's in it's certain notions. Sometimes, like I said, going back to that nonverbal, it's some shit that you and some other folks would just peep. And then y'all connect. It's like sometimes you don't even have to talk. And it's like that. But it's also going into uh, the community and the folks who are aligned with the work that you are um seeking to be involved with or the, maybe the work that you are needing. Um, and so I think it's, you know, going back to a couple, um, you know, episodes ago of some of the key things I did, you know, how to identify like strong black women in the community, you know, that ends up joining us together. I think a lot of those attributes and values and everything like that, like definitely go into further recognizing the kinfolk. Um, so y'all have to go back and listen to that episode. Um, but yeah, it's just like so much that goes into it, even beyond the skin of the king. I would say my reunion, uh, was, had to be first with myself. Um, I, I, you know, I am learning so much more about who I am, uh, more than I knew because I have been embracing myself more and I, have been aware of the ways in which uh, previous experiences uh, sought to kind of pull some of those things out of me, those things that really were essential to me. And by that, I mean, like, I, I didn't realize how strong 
uh, of a personality and how passionate I was until I was an adult because I think um, one of the ways in which maybe family tried to keep me safe was to keep me quiet. Um, and so I was very quiet as a child, um, very quiet in high school and uh, as a late bloomer. And now I have <laughs> so much personality, which was probably always there, but it was just, um, it wasn't allowed to really blossom and bloom. So I had to reunite with myself first. Um, and as I have done my own work of um, healing, and that's a continuous journey, but also as I've really started to um, love myself, I was a I've been able to form like very deep bonds with other people um, because I I can be my full self and I am unashamed of who my full self is. So I think the the reu reunion um, my experience has been for me and I have found my kin the more I embrace my authentic self. Um, the more I'm able to embrace other people. I would completely agree with that. Totally. I think that's one of the specific ways that we can recognize our kinfolk, those who can accept you as you are, mm -hmm. where you are, and that can extend grace when needed. Um, I feel like I may have had like the opposite. Like they never told me to be quiet. Oh, it okay. was very much so. <laughs> like out of six siblings, I'm like, I speak for everybody. Like, where are we going? What are we finna do? You know, but I also mother everybody uh -huh. if need be. Um, and, and I always, my mother will bring up like stories of me standing up for myself even as a, a young child. Mm -hmm. And so I look for that when I am out in public. I like, I love to see children mm -hmm. standing up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like, I completely respect autonomy when yeah. it comes to youth. I don't, you don't have to hug me. You don't have to touch me. Yeah. Nothing. Like, I, I completely adore that. And I, and I feel like that's when you know that you find your tribe. And in, in even saying that, we invite you to come to Empower and find your tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, come and, and, and get from this source what you need. Yeah. That all, was great. Yeah, all I got is words. Come to empower, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look for opportunities of when we actually travel and connect with people um, throughout the diaspora um, and all of that. Um, I guess it's time to talk, I'll go ahead and say, uh, uh, <laughs> do the benediction. Go ahead and do the benediction. Uh, so, uh, just thank you uh, for joining us. And uh, please, if you haven't yet, go in. If this is your first episode, you need to go back and get caught up um, and listen to the rest of them. Other than that, you can definitely connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Empower Institute. I will not try to wrap it this time. Look at the last episode for that one. Um, it's I-N-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E. Visit our website, empowerinstitute.com, for more information. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Bye.